What's up, Dunwoody? Who's ready for Lemonade Days 2019? One of my favorite Dunwoody weekends every year. Our sponsor, Village Orthodontics, will have a tent on the way into the festivities. We'll be there with them on Saturday afternoon. So please stop in and say hello if you were there Saturday afternoon. If this is your first time listening, this is the show that takes you a little deeper into Dunwoody. We started the show about a year, a little over a year ago in my brother-in-law's backyard. It was just us. We knew very little about what was going on in the city. The first episodes, we discussed Lost Dog Dot, funny posts Justin saw next door, uh, the BK in the village shutting its doors. Nobody listened. The show had very few downloads. We started up whatsupdunwoody.com and titled episode four is Perimeter Mall Closing. The SEO Google Juice kicked in for that perfectly titled episode, even though we barely discussed the topic, and it got a few extra downloads, but folks around the community were listening. A guy named Hayward Westcott reached out to us and wanted to meet. Many of you know Hayward. He's been giving his time around this community for a long time. His custom signs today business does a lot of signage around the ATL. In fact, those new Brook Run signs are his. Um, Hayward was real complimentary about the show and urged us to continue what we were doing. We all agreed that it would be really sweet to have a rooftop bar in the village. So that next show, we titled hashtag Dunwoody Rooftop Bar. So that's where that came from. Uh, we reached out to our first guest and sat down with the guys at Moondog Growlers over a beer three for episode number six. Hayward joined us for episode eight and nine and told us to reach out to his buddy at the Nature Center for shows 11 and 12. That leads us up to exactly a year ago at uh, last year's Stay of the City. It was a little different than this year. I sat in the back and didn't talk to anybody except for an older lady sitting next to me and her husband. She went on and on about this guy named Mike Walensky and how he was going to go on to do big things. She said, he's about your age. You should have him on your podcasty thingy. I reached out to Mike and he was on the show two weeks later. Uh, you probably know his name by now as your state house representative. The next interview was with Marion and the Dunwoody Farmers Market. Then we did 17, 18, and 19 from City Hall. That was really cool. Uh, 20 through 24 were with one county commissioner and two former Dunwoody mayors. Since then, I've had the confidence to ask just about anybody. Um, we don't want just anybody, though. I'm a true digital marketer, but I could care less about your social media following. We want citizens of the community that are making a difference in Dunwoody. People like Hayward, like Joe Seconder, Adrian Duncan, Bob Longston, Ken Wright, our uh, council members, the mayor, the guys at Village Burger, principals of our schools. These are folks who might not even have a social media presence. I actually had to email a few people. Uh, the thing is, when you start to get involved, you hear the same names over and over and over. I want every one of those citizens on our show because they all have a story. Your story's a little different than the guy next to you. If you know somebody with a good story, please message us. Even uh, even this morning, I learned about the Rogers family. I'm not sure if you've heard of them. Some family from Dunwoody where six or seven siblings all play one piano at the same time. Um, it's absolutely amazing. If anybody knows these folks, please send them our way. Go to YouTube and type in uh, Rogers family, shut up and dance. It's really amazing, and I'd love to share their story with you. My name is Matt Weber. I'm a residential realtor. If you're looking to sell your home in Dunwoody, nobody has the digital reach that I have. You want as many buyers as possible to see your home in the first few days that it's listed. If you list your home with Bob from Remax, you'll get a few buyers over the first week. He'll call you and tell you when you need to leave the house for showings. If you list with me, you're going to want to go on vacation that first weekend. There's going to be a lot of people in your home. But we both know that you're probably not moving anytime soon. Less than 10% of you. But 100% of you know somebody that's moving. So here's the deal. I'll keep trying my best to create content that you enjoy, and when you trust me enough, send me that referral. Don't do it for me, though. Do it for yourself. It always feels good helping out a friend. Your buddy will be pleased with my results, and it will all be because of you. My co-host's name is Justin Dyke. Justin is founder of PoolDues.com. He bought me a ticket for Avengers Endgame this week, but I had to give it away because my wife wants to see it with me, which probably means I won't get to see it for a few days, so no spoilers. Today's show was an interview from a few weeks ago with Greg Bluestein. Of course, I screwed up his name almost immediately. The aforementioned Mike Walensky introduced us, and the show was a lot of fun. 
Greg is a political reporter who covers the governor's office and state politics for the AJC. He contributes to the AJC's Political Insiders blog. He's a Georgia Bulldog like myself with degrees in journalism and political science. He lives with his wife and two daughters in Dunwoody. Uh, I think you'll really like this show, so make sure you hit the subscribe button. Get the second half right when it comes out in a few days. Here we go. What's up, Dunwoody? Welcome back to the What's Up, Dunwoody podcast. All right, hello. Welcome to the latest edition of the Politically Georgia... Oh, no. <laughs> Never mind. Um, Did you hit record? Yeah. We're here with Greg Bluestein. 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 Bluestein? You can call okay. me whatever you want. Bluestein. We'll, we'll go with Steen if that's the proper way to say it. Yeah, we prefer to get your name right, at yeah. least. I probably as should have tested right. that before. Yeah. I did spell it right. That's why I thought the I would, you know. Exactly. No, we don't, we don't mind. It's, it's, it, look, as long as you see, get the first part right, I'm good. Okay, yeah. I got Greg. Yeah. I'll just call you Greg from here on out. call him Bluey. Bluey? Okay. Big Bluey or Big Blue, man. Big that's, Blue? That's, big, that, that happens. Blue. <laughs> um, AJC's political guy, and we cover, what, the Georgia governor's office, state capitol, Anything to do with state capital, I guess? Yeah, anything to do with state politics. So that, that meant last year covering uh, the, the epic race between Stacey Abrams and Brian Kemp and, yeah, and all the stuff before that. That meant in 17, helping out with the Atlanta mayor race and covering John Ossoff versus Karen Handel and that race. And that meant in 16, covering the presidential contest. Yeah. And next year, that means covering David Perdue versus Stacey Abrams or whoever and covering um, the Trump re-election bid. Is that going to be Abrams? That's a good question. I was just I was just with her um, uh, a couple hours ago, really. I was with her in Nashville, and I left um, this morning to come back to Atlanta. And um, she didn't drop any more hints. I didn't expect her to, but my gut tells me she's going to run for governor in 2022, not Senate in 2020. But try to go for what she wanted. Yeah, what she always wanted. But you know, there's so much pressure on her, and I think it would kill her if. A Demo- another Democrat ran and lost. Yeah. She'd always feel like it could have been her who won it. She was so know? close. It was close. It was 55,000. They did call it, right? Kemp is our governor. <laughs> Kemp is <laughs> our, finally, our governor. Yeah. But Final answer. But Stacey Abrams still hasn't conceded. And, really? And won't ever. I mean, <laughs> yeah. she said it last the other night again. She said, I'm just not going to concede. I acknowledge I'm not the governor because I'm here in Nashville right now. Yeah. But... I, I, she's not going to concede, and that, that's going to be a big. Whenever she runs again, that will be a big kind of uh, attack line for Republicans who say she's a sore loser. Um, you're in Dunwoody. You grew up in Sandy Springs. Tell us a little bit about your past. I'm an outsider. I grew up like two miles down the road from where I live that's now. Close enough. Yeah, I, I grew up in like the the North Fulton Panhandle, and um, grew up going to. JCC, the Jewish Community Center, and going to um, what is now known as the AJA, but it was back then the Greenfield Hebrew Academy, until about fifth grade when I went to Woodland Elementary, Sandy Springs Middle, North Springs High School, UGA, so I'm pretty local. And um, I worked at the Harris Teeter on right next to the where the Blockbuster used to be at Orchard Park. And um, I was just, I'm a, I'm a Sandy Springs slash Dunwoody dude. And we, we moved around Atlanta a lot. I lived in D.C. for a little bit. Moved around Atlanta a lot, and um, when my wife was pregnant with her second, we just fell in love with with this neighborhood in Dunwoody, and we moved back, and it's home. Yeah, right? I mean it's it's where we always wanted to be. Yeah, tell us about your wiffle ball game. Yeah, every year we have a big. Our neighborhood Ashford Chase has a giant wiffle ball tournament um, that one of our neighbors hosts in his. He has like the biggest backyard in the neighborhood, and it's become like a big thing. They've been doing it for years. They started it before we moved in, so it's been going on for probably about a, six or seven years now, and it raises tens of thousands of dollars for the Dominion Police Department or Dominion Firefighters. 
and uh, we have a lot of police, fire, first responders participate. And it's like there's like four or five or six different teams depending on the year, and they all battle each other out in this sort of epic wiffle ball tournament. We have our own. Well, the battle starts with their outfits. I think. Battle starts with the weird costumes. One year I went as like Waldo. We all were dressed up as as Where's Waldo, and it was really hot. Like wearing long sleeve Where's Waldo outfits in the 95 degree weather wasn't the best. I saw idea. the guys in the overalls last year. Just overalls. There's the overalls. Hopefully dudes. some underwear on underneath. There's people who've dressed up as different team mascots, and remember we still have to play, so it's hard to swing a bat with 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 uh with some of the outfits we wore but it's real like neighborhood um super competitive league and the guys who win it just jam it down everyone else's throat for the next year as they should they're they have the bragging rights is there a trophy there is a trophy and it's 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 kind of like our version of stanley cup god knows what it's been through (laughs) but we sent pictures of of it you know in a bathtub or beer in it or whatever but it's a big it's a big deal in our neighborhood but it's a very close-knit neighborhood um so that's like one of the biggest events but halloween there's you know a thousand kids roaming around everybody thinks we've talked about this before everybody thinks that their neighborhood's the best for halloween so i think our neighborhood's the best for halloween justin here i've heard my neighborhood's the best yeah yeah you've heard from other people that live outside your neighborhood yeah Yeah. that's the thing though everyone everyone from when you when you have that many people from outside the neighborhood coming in it's like validation it is that's true there's people from neighborhoods and i I which means that briars north probably wins because everyone goes there yeah yeah I used to live in West Atlanta, and it was a neighborhood that was there was very few kids there, and we went anywhere but that neighborhood. And I was so excited when we first bought the house. I was like, "This is going to be great!" You know, it's our first Halloween. I remember getting That's home what you from think ahead of. yeah, I remember getting home from work early because we didn't have kids yet. And I was like, "This is going to be great!" Answering doors for all these kids. Like eight kids came, and none of them were dressed up. I said, "Never again." We're going out. You got so, two big buckets of candy. We did, yeah. So from, <laughs> the, from then on, we were like, "Yeah, this is not our thing." Yeah. So now you just come home to Egg House. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But then we moved, and now we're in a neighborhood just like most of Dunwoody, where it's kid friendly and 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 the kids can walk around and play and like a they small know. town feel and a big city. I remember the first um, we had moved into Dunwoody, like about six months before and you know really got to know our neighbors and really loved it but the first time I really kind of had to pinch myself was when I was driving my older daughter who's now eight to school with the whole family the first day of school at Dunwoody Elementary and I think she was she must have, yeah she was in kindergarten and um, not pre-k and we were looking around and the whole neighborhood's doing the same things we are and we're waving at all these people and she's she's in class with our neighbors our next door neighbors in her class right now and we're looking around like this is why we moved here you know to have a sense of community that you can't get in in in, in many other places like that still be on the cusp of a of a big city and still have a lot of the the amenities that you know you could have in Buckhead or, or other parts of town in the restaurants and the walkability and all that but also have that you know, sort of suburban lifestyle in the, in the tight-knit group. Yeah. And that's what really drew us here. I sound like a freaking visitor's guide or something, but it's just true. And, you know, no, that's it. Cut. Yeah. Cut. <laughs> Got it. We'll turn this over to the CB. Print. <laughs> exactly. But it really is true. We, 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 uh, we can't imagine moving, and we, we love just being in the community and, and, and going to, like, restaurants. I bumped into Justin the other day for the first time at a restaurant over at, at Porter Q, and we saw, like, a, a future city council member, and we saw we just saw people who were active in the community. It was neat kind of looking around. And, you know who that was? It was our guest from – I'm not going to say it because I don't want to put it out there that that guy is running. Okay. But possibly, yes. Well, possibly. But yes. It, but, yes. But, yeah. but, you know, and, 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 and one thing, like, you know, my neighbor's Mike Walensky. Um, who's now a state rep. So it's neat kind of seeing um, the local people get really involved. 
Um, every time you go to uh, food trucks on Wednesday nights, the first pe- person I usually see is cons- Councilman Terry Nall. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just neat. because he's in a suit and everybody else is in a totally normal is. outfit. He's always wearing like a white shirt and it's 130 degrees and is in a, in a jacket like I'm wearing right now. <laughs> I think it's all one piece because he never takes a jacket off. <laughs> exactly. But it is cool that there's there's a community that it's so close to everything but it's, it's so tight-knit and, and feels like home. Yeah. Has that started back up, the, the food trucks? No. It's got to be yet. soon, though, right? Not yet. It is a staple for our kids, though. We have we usually have like soccer practice or something on Wednesdays, and then we go right to food trucks. Or sometimes I can jog there if my wife lets me. Where do your kids play soccer? JCC. JCC. So okay. a friend of the show, Brett Friedman, and I are co- Village Orthodontics. Yeah, let's just go ahead and do the yeah. plug now. There you go. Village Orthodontics. So <laughs> I grew up with Brett. Another weird thing about you know being a native. Is he a North Springs guy too? No, I don't even know what high school he went to. But we, but the Jewish community, we all know each other somehow, yeah. some way or another. And I actually, my best friend was another Brett Friedman who went to who lived in the Kingsley neighborhood. And those two guys, he spelled his name I E D, and Brett spells his name E E. The, the orthodontist spells his name E E D. So they would always kind of get confused because the same age, both in the Dunwoody Sandy Springs area, both in the same kind of circles. Um, and I don't want to say my, my, my best friend Brett is the one with the glasses whereas the orthodontist Brett does not have glasses yeah but small world type thing and you see the same people you grew up with just like I bet you guys do um, all the time so that's always a, a neat little side note you'll be at you know Moe's and it won't just be the guy you saw you met the other day it will be the guy you grew up with yeah is it, how, how is it working with Lin, Walensky you see him a lot yeah um, he's he, so Mike Walensky who's also been on the show um, he was the one that got us in touch with you. Yeah. We he, don't know him. You, know, <laughs> you claim not to know. Um, yeah, he. I went to high school with Mike. Um, we went to North Springs together. He. We live in the same neighborhood. He lives in our neighborhood, too. His wife and my wife were in the same sorority in college. So it's, it's kind of interesting seeing him go from a neighbor to someone who I see like every day at work now. Yeah. Because I'm, I cover the Georgia legislature as one of, my, one of our duties. We have a big team of – the AJC has seven or eight reporters down there at the Capitol every day. Um, and so I'll kind of hopscotch back from the, the House and the Senate, and he's in the State House. And we're, we sit behind this big glass window in the State House, and all the lawmakers, the 180 or so lawmakers, and the speaker and the staff, they're all milling about, and we can kind of like tap on the window. and, 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 and I know that guy. Out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he'll kind of, kind of come over sometimes and, and wave. It's just bizarre, too, in a way, because it's like I've been down there for 16 or something years, 15 or 16 years now, and suddenly there's – there's, see your buddy there. <laughs> yeah, you see, you see people you know personally. And, that, and I remember in, in journalism school, one of my professors warned me about that. He said, hey, because we're impartial, objective, neutral. He said, don't, don't tap on the glass. He said, don't tap on the glass. <laughs> yeah. No, he said, hey, you know, as you, go, as you move forward um, in this career, if you stick with it, um, the people that you grew up with, the people you knew, they're going to start running for things. And it's going to be really, and, and you're going to be where you are. You're going to be covering it. And it's just going to be, in, and I don't directly cover Mike Walensky or anything like that, but I have seen that my high school teacher's husband is the head of the Georgia GOP. Um, my uh, Jason Carter's wife, Kate Carter, was the editorial advisor of the Red and Black when I was the, um, the, the, the editor-in-chief of the Red and Black at UGA. Uh, there's just uh, several people I went to college with ran for state office, just like Mike Walensky, but many others, or ran for legislative or statewide office. Uh, and so I'll go back and look at my clips from the Red and Black where I was writing about them 
in 2002 and 2003, and now they're running the for rising star. Yeah, well, I'm writing about yeah this guy who's the head of the Young Democratic, you know, Young Democrats at UGA, who's now running for Attorney General yeah. or the SGA president ran for ran for state house. Uh, and and the, I guess the best example was a little known guy named Brian Kemp. When I, in 2002, I was in this this famous UJ political science professor's class, and I was covering um, Brian Kemp's first run for state senate. He had never run for public office before, and he was running for state senate over in Athens, and he and he won. He 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 beat a Democratic incumbent back when like the Democrats controlled everything in Georgia, so it was a pretty big victory. And the people I was in that class with. Or people I see at the Capitol all the time because, and they were working on his campaign. So these guys who are lobbyists or lawmakers now were in that same class, and some of them were working on Kemp's campaign. So you can kind of see it evolve. And those guys are also going to run for Congress, and and now they're running for you know state legislative offices and maybe sometimes statewide offices, and not quite getting there. But those are the next generation. Those those are going to be the governors and the senators and and the Congress members and all that. So it's kind of neat. Someone's got to do it. <laughs> Someone's got to do it. And it, it ain't an easy job. It really isn't. No, no. Like those guys, you, you, anyone running for state house even, you, you might think it's not you know the highest profile position, but there's, they're knocking on thousands of doors. They're, they're spending you know 40 days, 40 legislative days a year down at the Capitol dealing with all these bills. Um, it can be overwhelming. Right. I mean, there's a lot, especially for those first year guys who are down there. And there's a lot of them. Democrats did really well in the suburbs. And so there's a lot of new members. There's a lot of new Republican members, too. Um, And so they've got to deal with like a new torrent of things down there, budgets and votes and tough things and social issues and all this stuff. Well, it's hard to imagine how like Walensky, for example, stops doing his law job for two months or puts it on the back burner Mm -hmm. and then suddenly he's got to get back into it. Because yeah, it's two months, right? 40 days? Yeah, it's about 40 days. It usually goes from... um, Usually goes from January to early to late March. This year it's going all the way to April second, which is right in the middle of um, spring break for 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 DeKalb County. So that's Lucky an issue. You. Yeah, um, but no, you're right. And 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 it's one thing for like the suburban and, and Atlanta lawmakers because they don't have that far to drive. Like like Michael and, and many of the other people around Metro Atlanta can just come home. But if you're like a South Georgia lawmaker. Oh yeah, you've got to suspend everything. You got to pretty much shut down your 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 job, move up here, and they get per diems and they stay in hotels right in in, in condos and, and apartments right near the capital, but they'll drive back home. You know, make the four hour or so trip back home on the weekends, but they're up here full time um, to make sure you know to, to be here through the session. Yeah, and we've got to watch them because there's a lot of shenanigans that go on. So they, they got to put their gutter cleaning business on hold for two months. Or, <laughs> I won't be able to paint any houses for from January to March. They, uh, the most famous one is motivational speaker. There's a lot of lawmakers that they used probably to be all that. They all this is a motivational speaker. Like, what, what does that mean? <laughs> How tough is it to stay neutral? I mean, you you have to have thoughts yeah. of your own. It's like it's it gets drilled in your head for so long since since I was in college. Well, really, you've since, just never had an opinion. No, I have, but <laughs> since but since fourth grade, I've wanted to be a journalist. I was I was um, I was at, uh, at Greenfield Hebrew Academy, and I was at some class. And I J Rosenberg, the Braves beat writer for the AJC, comes in. I don't remember what he said. I just remember coming home and saying, I want to do that. I want to be the Braves reporter. And that was doing the worst to first season in 91. So I fell in love with the Braves and I just wanted to be a Braves writer. And my mom told me not that long after that that I had to learn how to type to be a reporter. And I said, no way, that's too hard. I'll do something easy. I'll be a doctor. 
and my dad was a doctor. And for like three or four years, I was gung ho for being, I, don't, I was terrible in science. I'd get terrible grades in all my AP classes. But all through middle school and high school, um, I wanted to be a doctor and took all these AP physics and chemistry and all these hard classes. And, um, and then junior year, my best friend at the time, her name is Jessica. We were over at her house. I think it was right after cross-country practice. We were hanging out. And her dad, who worked for CNN, came bustling in and said, we need to go to the office now, and we need all hands on deck. Jessica and Greg, do you want to come? And I was like, sure. This sounds awesome. And Jessica was kind of rolling her eyes. And we went down to CNN. It was right in the middle of the Kosovo bombings in 1988. It was, it was this conflict in, in Europe. And, um, and sure, bring a couple of kids along. Exactly. Yeah. Why not? So we're like at the break room just watching the live feeds of the reporters before they were actually on air, just talking over what they were going to say. And I, Jessica had seen it a million times. She'd been to work with her dad. I was like enamored. I said, this is exactly what I want to do. I knew I didn't want to be on TV, but I, I wanted to be a journalist. So I joined the, the North Springs Oracle and I joined the Red and Black at UGA. I was hooked. And I found great professors and great teachers along the way that kind of stoked that passion. So they drilled it in your head to be impartial. And we can't do our jobs. I mean, my best sources um, are, are from both parties. Yeah. And, and you know, a lot of people will give us some grief because we're, we, we write more stories about Republicans, especially watchdog and accountability stories about Republicans because they're the ones in power. But um, if that ever changes, right, if, 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 if the blue wave um, really sweeps over Georgia, then we'll be writing a lot, of watch, a lot more watchdog and, and accountability stories about Democrats too. But um, it's kind of just, you, you have your personal opinions, but you kind of have to put them aside, right? right? Like, you know, I was at this uh, that Stacey Abrams event last night in Nashville I was talking about earlier, and, and the whole room um, gives you a standing ovation. I can't do that, right? I mean, I can't applause. It was funny. She actually. So wait, did you stay seated? Were you like, uh, you're, you're and not, you look like a jerk the other way. It's weird. Yeah. You never. I never know. I usually stand in respect. I stand stand in respect, but you can't you can't applaud what she says. I mean, you can laugh if she's saying something funny, but it was weird. It was about 500, 600 people, and I'm in the the back of the first row. And I've known Stacy for years. It's kind of interesting to see her explode into this national personality and, and, and star of the Democratic Party. Um, uh, you know, and I covered her entire race, and I was at every event or most events, and I was at you know covering things before anyone else had tuned in. Right? I mean, this became a national race for the last four or five months of it, but um, you know, she's been in the race for a year and a half, and we were all our job is to cover every twist and turn. So that's what we did. So we're in this room in Nashville in this big auditorium, 500, 600 people, and I'm in like the last. I'm in this little press row in the last um, last row of this aisle, and she starts speaking. And she's kind of staring over me. And she's in the middle of her speech about, about what she's been doing since the election. And she stops and she goes, is that you, Greg Bluestein? <laughs> every head in the, in, the, in the room turns to me. And I'm like, I'm, I'm blushing because I didn't think she, she's never done that before. Gulp. <laughs> yeah. And I go, yeah. She goes, I didn't think they let you out of state lines. Because <laughs> we're used to seeing each other at state events. But that was the first time I'd seen her outside of, uh, outside of Georgia. But that's that's kind of you know I got a, that day I saw Stacey Abrams at night and Brian Kemp in in the morning and that's that's kind of what we do so we've got to we've got to be objective impartial down the middle as, as as much as we possibly can. I guess you're not doing much newspaper anymore. Everything's digital. You're moving podcasting. What are, what are some of the other changes and what you've seen in the last 15 years of? doing this it's got to be totally different it is man and that's a good question because because we are I mean, look our first priority really still is the print newspaper um 
but it's also digital. I don't know if I should say first priority. It's a huge priority for us because it still pays the bills. The majority of our revenue still comes from the print edition. Really? Um, yeah. Um, because if you think about it, print ads are worth a lot more than digital ads. They yeah. just are. You can buy digital ads for so much cheaper than print ads. Print ads still still pay a lot of the bills. In 20 years, will we, we still be saying that? Probably not. Um, and a lot of papers have started cutting back. We still have it. I'm, I'm happy we have it. We still have a seven-day-a-week paper. And it's still a big deal internally and externally if we get on the front page. And if we get a Sunday front page story is the sort of the big, you know, the ultimate. Um, so it's still it's still aspirational to try to pitch those stories, even though uh, a lot of people are reading online. And How so, often do you get a front pager? It's a lot because I have a busy beat. Yeah. So, so no, it's a lot. It, you, a lot of politics going on. There's a lot of politics. Right? There's a lot of develop, breaking news. Like t- today, there's two or three stories alone that are, that, are, that are breaking stories that might be on the front page tomorrow. Um, and if they're not, you know, it is what it is. Um, but, but I think, I'd think a, a big chunk, like 40 or 50% of what we write doesn't, what, what we write on our team doesn't go on the, even in the paper because a lot of what we do is blog stuff. Um, Real we'll, specific stuff. Yeah, we'll write. We have a political insider blog called the Political Insider Blog, and every morning that's creative. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, named it correctly. Exactly, and we do a, a, a morning newsletter every morning, every weekday morning, <laughs> not um, in the afternoon. Not in the afternoon. <laughs> some, some of those guys start doing those now. Some, there's a lot of afternoon newsletters too to capture some of the um, the later breaking stuff. But we, we kind of start the day with that. We do several blog posts every day, and a lot of that stuff never makes it into into the printed paper. Are you it, doing this from home, or are you in the office that early? It depends. Well, a lot of times I do it after the kids go to bed. Yeah. The um, Jim Galloway and Tamar Hallerman are the two other people who help with the newsletter, and Jim, Jim will wake up. He's over in Kennesaw. He'll wake up early in the morning and work on it, send it in, and then we'll drive in. I tend to do my items. I, ideally, I do them before I leave work, but I don't. Often I do them at night after the kids go to bed or after I get back from the, the events I do. So sometimes I'll do them at you know midnight, and sometimes I'll be really up late and I'll be on our shared file. And tomorrow the Washington correspondent who helps with us will also be in the file, and we'll both see each other writing. I'm like, yep, late night. She goes, yep. <laughs> but there's so much going on. There's there's so much happening, and Georgia's kind of in the in the crosshairs of the national, not just because Stacey Abrams, but she certainly is a big part of it, but also just because of the suburban changes we talked about because of the fact that even even if Stacey Abrams isn't on the ballot, Georgia's going to be a truly competitive state in, um, in next November in 2020. And so there's a lot of changes going on, and there's a lot of people, younger politicians from both parties who are, who are rising and in, in, in making their impact known. It, they should make it like, Price is right contestant roles. If you get on the show, you got to wait like 10 years before you do anything else. You know? And that used to be how it was. Like the, the used to be you go to the Georgia legislature and you, you, you stayed quiet for not just your first term, but your first couple terms till you learned the ropes. And there's a lot of ropes to learn. It's not like that has gotten any easier. There's still very, very arcane procedures and, and there's rituals that, that are hard for outsiders who haven't been there to understand. And, and you, can, you can make a lot of blunders that can hurt your party, like not just you, but that can, that can set back things. And I see it all the time. I see, I see, I see younger members or newer members kind of make, make mistakes that, 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 that could have ramifications. But there's the other argument, which is these guys represent you know, a huge part of Georgia now. Um, you know the, the 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 rookie lawmakers, and there's there's dozens of them, um, and they they represent constituencies that that want that a lot of them are either really conservative or really liberal, and they they come in with ideas that that buck the trends in in, in Georgia. Because believe it or not, as polarized as as, as as Washington is, 
Georgia lawmakers have a pretty good reputation of working across party lines. A lot of the legislation that's passed over the last, big legislation that's passed over the last five or six years has been not just bipartisan, but like 147, 165 to three type votes. You mm-hmm. know, big, huge, sweeping um, majorities passed criminal justice bills and budgets and things like that that are big deals. Uh, so we're seeing some of that polarization come back um, to the Capitol with the abortion bills and some of the socially divisive bills. But we also see a lot of a lot of bipartisanship. We really do. And so that's a story that that, that needs to be told, too, that lawmakers can actually, you know, they, they'll fight a lot and they'll, they'll squabble a lot. And there's a lot of really, really important divides. But there's also a lot of consensus in Georgia. Yeah. Do the new guys normally keep their mouths shut for a while? I heard Walensky passed a bill. Everybody was kind of surprised at that. that yeah, got in that quick and got it done. Yeah, the new the new guys are, are making themselves known. Um, Walensky passed that bill, and he was one of the speakers against the abortion bill on the on the on the Democratic side. There are a handful of Republican um, newer legislators that are that are definitely you know flexing their muscles and and getting out there. And, and if you think about it from the party perspective, um, both parties want to want to support their new people too because they don't want them vulnerable to any challenges. So on the Republican side, after all these suburban lawmakers lost, all these suburban Republicans lost in November and, and to a lesser degree in the special elections in 2017, they need to do something to kind of prop them up. So you're seeing some of the suburban younger lawmakers getting key committee assignments and being asked to to introduce big legislation that will get them headlines and also help them in November of next year if, if they face a stiff challenge. That's where we're going to cut off part one. I'll get the other one out in a few days. If you enjoy the show, please tell your friends about us. Oh, 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 oh,